0: Hello everybody, welcome to the fifth episode of the Future Worlds Metaverse podcast, Um, and today we have a very special guest who (laughs) we just spent about 10 minutes trying to figure our audio out, and it was on my side, so it's completely my fault, but um, joining us today is Lastrum K from Decentraland, and I just want to mention up front, also he's going to appear at Future Worlds 2022 on November 12th um, with us in person in Los Angeles. So if you're interested in, in having a conversation or continuing the conversation with them, um, go to www.futureworlds.co. Um, there's still some tickets available and you'll have a chance to come down and see people from all aspects of the metaverse. So welcome, Lastrum. It's very, very nice of you to join us at the last minute. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Appreciate it. Thanks.
1: Yeah, I'm excited uh, for the podcast and for uh, the in-person. Should be a fun time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to wear that for the in-person? I want, I want to see what you're wearing when, when it comes down to November 12th.
1: Um, I, I don't want to reveal anything, but I will just say, you won't be able to see my face. So <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that.
0: You're like the Jack in a box guy, right? He's, he's just, you got arms and you have a suit and you're doing stuff. I love it.
1: Um, yeah. You know, it's uh it spawned from something uh, authentic and now I've just kind of owned it as I've gone, you know, hundred percent in space and, um, it's, it's fun.
0: It's pretty cool. It's actually pretty cool. All right. So give me a little background. I I literally just got introduced to you by Sam Hamilton a couple of days ago, and you're kind enough to hop on quickly. And I, 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 you're so hard to find because you're so anonymous, but can you, I know you did last slice collective and a couple of things there, but can you give us a little background, how you started out and where you're at?
1: Yeah, definitely. And um, shout out to Sam. He's uh, an amazing guy. One one of the OGs in Decentraland in the Web3 space. Uh, truly fantastic guy. And so I started uh, in this space in about 2018 when Ready Player One came out. And I, I really don't know how I came across Decentraland, but I did. I fell in love with it. It was way back in the private Beta and there was really nothing you could do. And I'd always programmed as a hobby, hence the anonymity, because it was never my full-time operation. And so uh, I've never had a formal education. I've always learned and taught myself, read books, uh, online things. And so I took a little dive into Decentraland to learn their SDK, their software development kit. And it just progressed over the years, uh, and we can get into it further. But that's how how Sam reached out to me um, in March of 2021 and said, Hey, last we'd love to have you on the team at the foundation. You're doing fun stuff in the community. Uh, and so that's what happened uh, back in March of 2021, right around the same time I was, um, starting the last slice collective NFT project. So that really was the catalyst to go full in all in 100% leave my real life identity behind and really assume this anonymous personality, um, 100% full-time.
0: That's it, you're one of the few people that I think is doing that a hundred percent. I mean, I see people jump in a little bit. I have a friend that travels the world and it's kind of a digital nomad, but she still appears from time to time and is in person. So it's uh, one day you'll be able to do it a hundred percent. I think, um, tell us about last slice collective. What did, where did that come from and, and what happened with that? Yeah. So
1: I, I think maybe to step back, the whole last slice piece, um, is, um, Something I created in 2020, and it was the Domino's Pizza kiosk. And so what what I want to do and part of the things that drive me, and I try to tell this to people that I speak with, are creativity and curiosity are what drove me to Decentraland. And so I've always leveraged those sort of ideas to bring to life interesting and cutting-edge experiences, one of them being, hey, how can we bring the two worlds together, the physical and the digital? And I thought of uh, Laszlo who purchased the 10,000 Bitcoin pizzas 10 years ago or maybe now 11, 12 years ago. And so that people don't realize just as an aside, that's kind of why there's 10K projects, right? If people don't yep. know that. And so so I was like, you know what? Let's do something with pizza. And, uh, and I love pizza. And who doesn't? And so I created a Domino's kiosk to go in the metaverse, in the Decentraland, pay with cryptocurrency. You type in your address and it will find a Domino's nearby to that address that is open and available for delivery and will actually deliver you a cheese pizza. And Domino's had nothing to do with this, right? You didn't call them. Some brand. Well, we can get into that. Yeah, because that's a funny story, too. (laughs) Uh, So that's sort of the pizza aspect. I started a community to help people learn and educate themselves. And I was coming up with names asking the original Discord members, like, what should we call this thing? I came up with last slice as one of the options, and everybody chose that sort of last slice, creating like a you know, mental scarcity, but also dealing with pizza. Lastrum is my digital name. Last, last slice. So it kind of all just came together, um, sort of just ironically, and it, it's it's been
0: a fun time. All right. So you you open a Domino's digital kiosk. You sold pizza. Did Domino's care? Did Domino's? I mean, to them, it looked like an order coming in and it got delivered and they didn't know the difference. But at some point, did you make a deal with them or how did you work with their boy? Yeah.
1: That's so funny. I, I went from a uh, uh, commercial real estate background to being a pizza delivery boy in the metaverse. So it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but no, so this again was pre-meta, right? This was um, October, 2020. And um, Domino's did not know about it. It's not like I was doing anything nefarious. There's actually, you can interface with their order management system um publicly and uh, i was actually called a hacker for this by somebody but definitely did not hack Pizza, um, yeah and so I, I, this was pre-meta it was amazing time in dominoes yeah uh, in a decentralized in the, land, the metaverse a lot of people are talking about it on their own private blogs and things so i reached out to dominoes and i reached out to guinness world records i was like hey this is like a first right um guinness hasn't responded to me they, i don't think they they that email is lost now
0: they're decentralized uh, there's no one there
1: Yeah, so I I reached out to the agency, actually, that uh, repped Domino's, and they shut me down. And I had another uh, member of my NFT community, Nicole Nixon, who actually drew the pizza box for us in 3D. She was helping me with that. We reached out to Domino's in Michigan, and somebody said, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you please write a letter and mail it to us, and we'll get back to you in six weeks? And I, I said, absolutely not and i am going to continue with this idea and then it just snowballed into so many other projects that i just couldn't keep up with that proof of concept but it was an amazing proof of concept so that was pre-meta fast forward now to now if i call Domino's, i guarantee you at least i would hope i would guarantee that they would understand what that was
0: so they never did there's there was never any involvement on their side you were just almost like popping into their api the pizza got ordered got delivered and, exactly. and that was it
1: I don't want to give away the secret sauce, but it is public code. It's not, again, it's not rocket science. And I think that's one of the reasons where I was trying to explain to people is with a little determination and investment in yourself and time to learn something like this, there's a lot of free code out there that we can really, I don't want to say change lives and be super meta with it, but you can really have fun with it and create a different experience, especially in this metaverse space, where everything seems so foreign and new, but like ordering a pizza isn't. So, you know that that's what's fun about it.
0: And it's interesting that you tie it back to the uh, the Bitcoin pizza because that that was a big deal back in the day. And and I, you know if you don't know, a guy said one day I guess he was working on the decentralized structure of Bitcoin and said I'm kind of hungry, and someone volunteered to order a pizza for him and sent him I think what ten. Bitcoin or 10,000 Bitcoin, whatever it was, it was,
1: well, yeah, he ordered two Papa John's pizzas and paid 10,000 Bitcoin for them.
0: Yeah, that's right. And and the guy was in England, I think, right? The guy that actually ordered them was in in the UK, but still was able to call the Papa John's closest to this guy in the US. And uh, I guess, you know, that those pizzas are, that that 10,000 Bitcoin today is worth, you know, 10,000 times 20,000. So (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been worth a lot for sure.
1: And uh, I, did, I did have some Bitcoin back in the day and I thought I was uh, smart after college and getting rid of them and obviously not that smart, but um, it, it was at the high back then. Anyway, you know, the, it, it's funny to see, especially talking about metaverses and future worlds, how um, uneducated the rest of the world is about the metaverse or what that word is. And, you know, you have Steve Jobs, excuse me, gosh, Tim Cook, um, talking about, uh, I, I, I saw an art. You know what I was thinking about is Steve Jobs was holding the phone, like the 2007 phone that was unopened and just sold for like seventy six thousand. That popped that, in yes. my head. But yeah, so Tim Cook was like, we can't even define the word metaverse, and then people are all fudding, you know, Facebook, and there's tons of FUD around that, and it's Horizon World. And people just don't understand the word metaverse, so creating these types of um, familiar experiences like this, but in a unique way, I think is what's really going to bring again, the two worlds together. They don't need to be so separate. And so that's what I'm trying to accomplish.
0: You got such great insight last time, because I feel the same way. And I, I was, I'm, I think the second episode of this podcast, I had a conversation with Jeremy Welt, um, who was really early in the digital strategy game on the music side, and then got into doing metaverse stuff for Walmart. Um, and then wave, uh, I guess VR, they call it now, which is basically a live streaming concert thing. But I said, it's to me, it's like dreaming, right? And I I've, I just thought of this and I thought, cause everybody's like, oh, it's still blocky and it's still eight bit and it's, you know, your Roblox, it doesn't look real. I said, but imagine that you dream, right? If I dreamed I went to, I don't know, Tahiti. And I woke up that morning and I thought, I feel like i just got back from Tahiti. And I dream in 3D, I dream in color, it it feels like i'm there i i was never there i never traveled there but in my mind i was able to experience pretty close to reality right and i've you we've all had dreams where we wake up and we feel like we just were there we were just in that experience and i think if that becomes what metaverse can be um and, and not in all, all respects but in some respects that's going to drive enough traffic and enough engagement from people around the world that don't live in first world countries, right? Where we we just take this for granted. I got a microphone and a computer and internet and and we're all, you know, it's like okay, I've been to these places. I don't need to go there in the metaverse, but many, many, many millions and even billions of people haven't had the opportunity to travel or see things or experience things like maybe we have and opening up those opportunities to me, is like the biggest key for this whole thing. If you and, and and like you said, starting even with a something as simple as pizza delivery, something that everybody can relate to, that is a way that you can come into this and go, now what, right? What else can I do here? Because I've seen how this works. How else can I expand upon that? I, I think that's yeah. that's really where this goes.
1: No, I I love that a lot. Um, you know, it's it's funny when you say the metaverse and people can't define it. And so we're always, we're always trying to com- come up with a comparison and you, you know you came up with like dreaming. but you know you can ask anybody I uh, would hope that they would know what Grand Theft Auto is, or that they would know what the Sims are or know what Roblox is. Um, I would even say Facebook or Instagram. I, those are metaverses by the definition of the word metaverse. And you know I know Tim Cook says we can't define it, but it's basically an online virtual world virtual space that we come together and communicate. And so how do we how do we leverage that? And when you say the word metaverse, it's, it's because it has a connotation that it's something new and different because of maybe blockchain or web three and people's minds sort of melt. But if you just say, okay, if you're playing Fortnite and you know Fortnite, you know how it works. And I told you that the skin that you bought, you can now own it and sell it for yourself or you can have the ability to create a skin and show it off, and then have someone else buy it from you? Would you understand that? And they'd say, yeah, I, I'd probably understand that. And you're like, okay, well, you just defined a Web3 metaverse. And so you got to break down the barriers. Again, it's all it's all misinformation. It's all on education, really, about we know what a metaverse is. We know what a virtual game is. We know how to buy things in Grand Theft Auto or Fortnite, Diablo, League of Legends, Destiny. We understand. Collecting inventory, but really, the metaverse, as we're talking about it, in my opinion, is the visualization of Web three. And so, to understand what Web three is, is the power to the creator. There aren't any consumers because the creator is the user and the consumer. And it's like this new word of a, a, a user. I don't know what that is. There's no, so many definitions. Of, you know, oh, users, it, it, like- it
0: blends right. You're you're both consuming and creating almost at the same time and, and the whole, you know, pay to play and pay to watch and, and you're you're invested and you're earning at the same, you're investing and earning at the same time. It's kind of a crazy concept, but that's exactly yeah, and, how I see it.
1: Yeah, I know. And, and last night in my NFT community, we were talking about some of this stuff about the adoption of the metaverse and all of these bad articles about Decentraland specifically not having as many daily active users and how how wrong that was. And just just quickly, if anybody doesn't know, there was an article that said Decentraland had 38 active users, and that was because there was a website that tracks and was outdated, but tracking interactions with a smart contract, and that is really a unfortunate way to look at things that's like saying Steve. How active were you today? And I'm going to judge that based on how many times you use your credit card. And that's just totally incorrect. You know, if you went to the park, like, if you asked me right now how many people are in Central Park, and you said, well, how many people are using their credit card? That would That is the metaphor, the, this, the equation that they use to count people in the metaverse. And it's just completely wrong. And so we were having this conversation last night about the adoption rate of the metaverse. And I was playing devil's advocate. I was like, well, you know, decentralization versus centralization, who cares? Like, honestly, who cares, right? If, if you're a parent, um, do you care that your kid... Gets rugged by Fortnite and it gets their account deleted and their couple hundred dollars of skins goes away. Do do you really care about that as a parent or or as a gamer? I, I don't know. I don't know if we're there yet, um, because I don't think people understand the power in the combination of being the creator and the consumer yet.
0: Yeah, let's let's hop into decentralized versus centralized. But I, I want to also talk about what you just said about you know people not thinking there's adoption because. I, I have this conversation every day, and and I said, okay, we're at, we're in at a restaurant at lunch. Look around, how many people are heads down in their phone? And and in LA, all of them, right? I don't know about other parts of the world. Yeah, everywhere in, in yeah. the city, every single person is got their has their device down while they're sitting across from somebody. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. But I said that is the proof to me that this is going to be so immersive. And and you think people spend time on their screens now, wait until they're gonna do everything on it, right? Not just communicating, I'm talking about shopping, experiencing, meeting, crossing borders, doing things that you can't really just do today. But when you have the ability to do that from a device or whether it's a headset, and I I was talking to guys that are doing um, optical nerve transmissions, like ways to put 3D in front of a screen instead of having to wear a device, that stuff's all coming. But you're gonna be, you think people spend 20 or 30% of their day to right now on screens it's going to be two to three to four to you know 10 times that i think so it may not have the biggest numbers today the fact that the gaming platforms have those numbers tells me that there's engagement right and and i i'm going to say that the gaming platforms have far more adoption than the let's just call them the lands right now but that's going to switch right you've got gaming engines which are super super high bandwidth software and 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 servers and computing power behind them so you need that for photorealistic and for a lot of the things we're going to do in metaverse and you've also got the eyeballs because you've got kids and adults that play pretty much nonstop, 24 7 gaming once those worlds collide and and you're gamifying let's just say your your consumer lifestyle that to me is where you cross over so it's no longer oh i'm playing a POV or a first shooter POV or a, a Grand Theft Auto, I'm actually living Grand Theft Auto tonight. I'm gonna to go out and drive cars with my friends, I'm gonna have dinner with my buddies, I'm gonna go over and watch a show, I'm gonna have an after party at my, at my virtual condo. When you start living that as a person in that metaverse, those worlds start to blend. And I think that gaming community comes into a lifestyle community and the lifestyle community comes into a gaming community. And now all of a sudden that adoption is times 10. So yeah, I'm not yeah that those no, numbers are like you said they're skewed they're they're reading the wrong metrics and even if they are lower than what you're seeing, you can't deny the people that' have come into concerts on uh, Fortnite or Roblox. I mean those are millions of people engaging in one or two events in a space that's global right and and no one's denying those yeah. numbers so I, th- I think oh no yeah that's the proof. the numbers I'm not worried about the numbers at
1: all I just it's funny that they're you know web 2. Continues to FUD Web three, and you know it's so funny. It's just the NFT space. How many times the the hacks in Web three are from Web two phishing emails? It's it's amazing to me when somebody clicks on an, a wrong email and gets rugged in Web three. You know it's so funny when a Web two journalist doesn't understand this this capability of being a creator and a consumer and owning the digital content. And then they go and bash the the actual wrong information, and so it's again, it's an education process, and that will get to an adoption rate. I'm not worried about the users right now because th- there's a long way to go, you know, especially in decentraland with decentralization. You know, we can. I always bring it back to video games, as you sort of do, in terms of having people understand where we're at and what we're talking about. You know, decentraland specifically, you know is decentralized sandbox i i don't know how decentralized is it i think it is a little bit um it's just not as open in terms of access right now i think it's still in a beta um the other worlds is not even you know it's private alpha i think um horizon worlds i have no idea where that one is but um you know there's some form of decentralization in these web3 worlds not facebook and so you look at blizzard or ea sports or any of these games you know behind uh, um these massive platforms, Microsoft and Minecraft. And it's like, those companies are guiding the decisions of the platform. And so in a decentralized world, it might take longer for us to put all the pieces together because we're also building the pieces. I'm a general contractor in the metaverse. So uh, last slice, you want something built? We have clients will come to us and we'll build it for you or we'll find areas of improvement and flip them back to the foundation who's helping guide the, the decentralized platform of Decentraland and make those improvements. So the adoption rate really doesn't bother me. It's um, it's just a curious topic of how, how can we, it's like a cart before the horse, chicken and the egg. We need content to get users in, but who's gonna build the content if there's no users. And so that's where I exist and why I created Last Lace essentially is to help people learn how to build in the virtual space. Because like you said, we will get to a point where we're, we're no longer flicking and scrolling and swiping and clicking. As I've said, like that's not really, that's not interacting with the internet, is it? Like that's kind of, if you think about where the internet is 20 years from where it started, let's just call it from 2000, we're still touching a browser. How, how weird, how weird is that? That we can't like immerse ourselves in a purchase experience at Nike and walk around a virtual store and like try on the shoe and then buy it and have it come to us. And that's what really sparked my interest was in 2018 in ready player one, when he geeks out after winning the first key gets his, his coins and goes and sh- goes on a shopping spree and then finds that like suit and it gets delivered to him. And I was like, Oh my God, this, this is it. This is the next. We're
0: getting dinner. close. I mean, artifact the guys are artifact, Chris and those guys are, they're on it, right? They've kind of merged into Nike, at least part of them, and it's—I'm impressed with what's coming out of their shop and the way that you yep. can create. And there's no reason you can't get a pair of shoes delivered to you that day or the next day, right? I mean, you got door-to-door oh, deliveries now, so it's—it's it's close. I think the technology is there. Where do you before we? I, I still want to push into the decentralized central, but where do you think this goes? I mean, do you think that there's to me there's got to be interoperability at some point right just like we saw crypto or something like a uniswap or sushi where you know there's so many coins and people like oh i want to trade this for that oh you have to do it through an exchange you have to go buy this you have to buy that Mm -hmm. it just got clunky and at some point it's like can't we all just play together so as someone who's developing you know that you've got to develop different resolution level for Decentraland than you might for roblox for the sandbox Mm -hmm. how do you see that coming together
1: Yeah, I love that you talk about that. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, my interoperability focus is digital to physical. It's not digital to digital. And that might be a misconception for a lot of people because uh, just up until recently, when you played on PlayStation, could you play with Xbox players? No, it used to be separate platforms, yeah. Yeah, you couldn't do that, right? Um, Can you take your Roblox items and go play it in Grand Theft Auto? I don't think you can. You cannot can you take your fortnite sword and go play it in diablo no okay so this whole like again it's a misconception of we want this interoperability between these metaverse worlds and why can't we figure this out maybe we could through blockchain technology but my focus really isn't on that because big corporations blizzards and ea sports and xbox and microsoft and playstation sony they, they just figured it out with like Call of Duty being able to play PlayStation and Xbox players. So, you know, we're, we're, again, trying to make comparisons to what we know is comfortable or familiar. And sometimes we put an unrealistic expectation on this technology when the focus, I don't think, is that digital to digital because do we really care? We, do, is that really... a, a, a a pain point for us to, to join the space because we, we already accept that I cannot play Roblox and take my items to other worlds.
0: Yeah. But imagine you have, you know, you have a wallet and in your wallet are all your NFTs and say like your, your headpiece right there. You know, if you want to use that in a different land, but that land doesn't accommodate it, then you either can't have it there or you have to recreate it there. And isn't that an obstacle? Isn't that some friction? Well, I mean, like to a degree, yes. But I think again, the the focus
1: of tr- building out these different technologies is like, again, iPhone message and Android messaging, you know. And it's like, why can't they both be
0: iMessages, right? That's sort right. of what
1: we're trying to talk about. Yes. And
0: and but, I just, but you can hold on. You can get an, an Android message on your iPhone. It's just green. But if imagine right, if, you right. if you couldn't get it at all which used right. to be the case. That was right. like, well, why would I buy that phone? I can't even yeah, talk yeah, to enough yeah.
1: people. Uh, look, I agree. And I'm, I'm just trying to make the comparison that even in what we know is familiar, it's hard to have these digital interoperabilities. So putting so much focus on it right now isn't where I'm at because I'll let somebody else try to figure that out, I guess, uh, because it hasn't really been figured out to an extent in our in our current familiar you know circle of technology. So I'm trying to figure out like, hey, how can you, how can you be in the digital world? And you and I are um, obviously, well, we're in LA, so it might be a bad example, but I have people in Germany and we're playing, we're playing at the casino. We're hanging out together on voice chat and I order a pizza to me and he orders a pizza to to himself. And we're still hanging out together, chatting um, and playing a video game that I'm winning real money on. And I am wearing a clothing item like on my face that maybe he created and somebody else saw at the table and wants to buy it right there. So, like, those are the types of things. And then maybe that purchase comes from Amazon or another e commerce platform. And I get this digital mask like delivered to me in real life. So, those are the type of interoperabilities that I get excited for because it just in my mind, technically, it's like, I no one cares about going from Minecraft to Roblox yet. So, I don't think anyone cares. At least, my, I don't care to take something from decentraland the central land sandbox yet. But I, I see that, and, that. And,
0: and, and from a product standpoint, maybe that's true. But I'm looking at. I mean, we're we're developing some some land concepts as well. But they're they're we want to put them in every land, right? So, in in my discussions with designers and developers, it's like okay, but you can't you can't put this same thing into central land that you're building in Meta, right? Totally. Like, okay, yeah. so I have to build it twice. Like, right. yeah. And that's where the the friction point is that I see is from a a, a bigger if you're trying to build something that's available it's like mm-hmm. um oh, it's like it's like gasoline right you don't you don't it's the same gasoline but there's different gas stations well if, if yeah says, you only have gas at Chevron and then no other gas station would exist right if I wanted gas I had to go to Chevron I'm just saying mm-hmm. if I've got a product that applies across why there should be an easy way to have it developed to work in, in all platforms. It doesn't have to be in all platforms, but yeah. if someone wanted to put it there, it should be easier than recreating it from zero.
1: No, I, I agree. I just think that, you know, and there's a lot of people that work at, let's say Salesforce or IBM that work on integrations. I mean, that's what they do from yeah. legacy systems to new systems to all kinds of different systems. I mean, in the whole, that's a whole industry of, you know, IT consulting, right? That That exists, but that exists on top of the software that that is there, right? And so we're still trying to build out that software while like figuring out which integration points to also put together and it's like how how much hindrance is that focusing on those inner integrations versus like getting a solid platform product out there first without worrying about, oh, we're working on platform one. how much can we integrate to platform two? I
0: totally totally agree. I mean, it's It's just like with crypto. the coins had to be developed first. And then they said, "Oh, you've got four thousand different coins. How about we right. we, we were able to trade them somewhere?" Um, yeah, I mean, look at the blockchain.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got you've got Ethereum, and then you've got Solana, you've got Tezos, and now people are trying to come up with bridges, and that's a whole thing in itself. Where it's like, okay, if the people working on Ethereum also worked on the integrations into every other blockchain, like how how does that work in terms of timing and effort and deliverables? You know.
0: Yeah, I think, I think with things like, you know, MetaMask, for example, is probably the most common wallet. I mean, you're going to see people store their con their assets there. And then once the integrations start to happen, they'll happen probably through that wallet is my guess, right? So right. like, if I want to put something into central and I could do that through MetaMask, if I'm going to put it in Roblox, I can do that through, Dece- sure. through MetaMask, et cetera. So there'll be a point of contact. Let's talk about centralization versus decentralization. I was listening to a podcast on the way driving this morning and I, I, it was just, it was, and, and I've got a little history with governance. I I was sitting with Kathleen, who's one of the founders of Tezos. This was four or five years ago now. And I don't know how I got into this. It was, it was like a forum, but it was at an attorney's office. And, and she's like, Oh, we're, you know, we're, we're totally, all, all our governance is democratized, totally decentralized. I said, okay, so, it's basically the the most token holders get the bigger get more votes, right? She's like, yeah. I said, so who's who are the major token holders on Tesa? She goes, well, my husband and I. I said, okay, how many tokens do you guys have? She goes, about eighty five percent. And I thought, okay, that's not really that decentralized. That's you and your husband controlling this currency. I mean, yeah, fifteen yep. percent of the other people can vote, but if you're eighty five percent, you have an overwhelming majority. And you're going to have control until you know it's diluted. So, tell me. I mean, and I, you know, I've got different thoughts on it. But decentraland to me, there's a foundation, right? There's a foundation that provides governance, and then you can stake into that. I'm assuming. Um, is that how you guys operate, or how, how do you guys structure that?
1: Yeah. So the foundation is uh, a core team that is working on the focus of the platform and building out this decentralized protocol and experience. And then there's the dao that is a separate entity that handles the governance and the voting system the vp all of that stuff and then integrating the proposals that are made and voted on and approved and passed you know might require some effort from the foundation to implement right um you know, if if we all voted on a, say, hey, we want VR, right? Which which was a proposal and it got passed, I believe. And so, you know, working with the platform team on how whoever's going to build that VR client um to integrate into the current system because it is open source. The central land is open source. It's all free. Um, you don't have to sign up for a yearly subscription to be a developer or to do pull requests on github and check out the code and submit bugs and and other topics and improvements so uh, it's a really unique platform so there are two separate things there is a huge governance piece with the dao and and the users of the platform and holders of mana having a vested interest into uh decision making in the
0: platform how widely distributed do you think mana is or, or do you do you know that they're say the you know i'd say the foundation holds again 80% of the mana or what's what do you see from where you are is how, how widely that's distributed?
1: You know, there's a couple of whales that have some mana, but I would say to to not give misinformation that I don't know that well. And I don't know if I care that much per se um, because, you know, I'm, I'm uniquely working at the foundation as a software engineer, but also have a private development studio. So I'm like integrated in the community and the efforts and the decisions that are going there and the desires and concerns, but then also seeing what the foundation is trying to provide to that community as members like myself who came from the community are now working at the foundation. So to me, like I I don't really pay attention to where mana is per se, because if one person had all the mana, I'd probably still be building into Centuryland. If 100 billion people had one mana, I would probably still be building into central land. So um, it's, it's still an amazing protocol and platform and technology. So I I guess I just don't pay too much attention to it. Other people do and really get involved with that. Um, I don't know if that really helps build in the platform. And that's a, that's a, I would say an overgeneralization, but just again, to be overgeneralized, I would rather be integrated into making the platform improved versus, you know, who has mana what are they voting on things like that
0: sure now it's it is and the more i listen to this and the more i you know did some research on it, it it's it's not that different from corporate governance in a in a, in a shareholder right if, if you want to buy into tesla you can buy as much of tesla as available on the market so it's and, and can you vote sure you're a shareholder and you vote based on the number of shares there's common stock there's preferred stock there's these different levels of governance but I don't know. I mean, some of the Dow guys are like, oh, this is I said, you're just recreating corporate governance. that has been around for a long time and in, in establishing a corporation. But you're there are yeah. different aspects to it, I think, that are improved. But what were you going to say? No, no.
1: Yeah. You, to a degree. Yes. But I feel like a Dow can move in more nimble ways than a bigger corporation where um you know, as being decentralized and open sourced, uh, you and I can come up with a wacky proposal if we want to. And we can go get some other, you know, friends and shareholders or whatever that have an, a vested interest, either mana or land or other qualifications for voting power. And we can make that proposal happen, right? Um, we can go lobby our friends and say, oh, this is a great idea. Let's all vote on it. And it can be really wacky. Um, I don't know how much that would go over or how quickly that would be approved from a board of directors or or something like that, right? Uh, like, no, oh, I want to know.
0: buy Twitter. Maybe I want to buy Twitter today. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, right? So <laughs> that, I think it gets back to the whole you know, amazing capability we have in Web3 and visualizing that with these metaverse platforms and taking shared interests, differences, combining it through a DAO and voting system, and then being able to sort of rapidly implement those visions or those proposals or those wants and desires pretty quickly. I mean, th- there's not a lot of red tape, I would say. Might, some people might disagree with that,
0: but I personally feel like there's way less red tape. I think you hit it on the nail. I mean, that, That's exactly right. Getting through corporate governance is, is a pain in the ass and any shareholder can tell you that. And unless you come in as a whale and say, <laughs> yeah, I've got 51% of X, it's very hard to get anything done. So I think it is much more nimble. I think that's a really good point um, that you bring up about that. And and the ideas can be wacky. And if people say, hey, we're just, you know, or or you saw the Constitution Dow. it's formed for a specific purpose. We wanna buy this copy of the US Constitution at an auction. And if it doesn't come to us, then the Dow dissolves. That kind of thing is pretty cool. It's it's flexible, it's it's purposeful. You can identify exactly what you're gonna do with this it doesn't have to be forever it could just be until this thing either buys or doesn't or doesn't sell um and and you're right i, I think it is a kind of a cool governance way but there's still a level of governance and who was i talking to you oh sherry hugh from uh, water and music she's a their big blog in the music space and she was talking about dos and dows and saying how amazing they were. and then she said but our organization is set up as a regular company because We realize that if we let every single person have a say in the way that we're running this, we'll never get anywhere. So I think there is a necessary level of governance involved, whether that's through a DAO or through a traditional system. But your point's really well taken. I think the nimbleness and the creativity that comes through the DAO structure is is pretty cool.
1: And, And that's sort of how Decentraland is, right? I mean, it's a decentralized platform protocol open source, but there's a nonprofit foundation called the Decentraland Foundation guiding the platform in a direction that is hopefully holistic in terms of what what people want out of it from the foundation, from the DAO, from the users in the community, because and you know I, I'm dealing with this right now as a we're a collective of decentralized anonymous people. If you don't have a, a core team that is trusted to like guide a principle, you'll paralysis by analysis. You'll get nowhere fast, right? I mean, and and I think it, it's sort of it goes back to the blizzards and the EA sports and this adoption rate. And people, you know, specifically with Decentraland or Sandbox ask, why aren't the graph better? Why can't we do this? You know, and it's like, well, we don't have billions of dollars that a central company is pouring into one iteration of a video game, you know, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2. And then they're going to go sell that to consumers for $60 a pop, make hundreds of millions of dollars, reinvest that into the centralized company, right? And so that's like the high level, that's triple A's. Then you get indie studios who have less of a budget but still centralized vision. And then you get down to like the decentralized protocol where you and I could come up with something wacky and see it integrated and we have less of a budget and we still have the same, again, unrealistic expectation. And that's what I, I think my biggest thing with people is these unrealistic expectations through comparison of familiarity. And everybody's always comparing it to Robox and all this stuff, but we, we unjustly expect the same results. And I just don't think we're there yet to hit those expectations. So we have to tamper those down. We have to realize where we're at with the technology, understand that in the long term, the protocol of decentralization has massive benefits. But in the short term, you know, you lose a lot of that sort of focus. And I don't want to say centralization, but guiding principles towards an end result, right? There really is no end result,
0: sort of, right? It's kind of like we're, we're going to continue on
1: straight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's
0: a continuum yeah. and you're right. I, I think it's just degrees. And, and, and again, I referenced this I had this conversation with Jesse Walden at a 16 Z crypto years ago, and we're talking about music rights. And he said, you know, you've got to fractionalize. You've got to, you got to tokenize everything. Everything's got to be digital. I said, but Jesse artists and labels don't take crypto right now. Right. I mean, that's, that's utopian thinking. I mean, I, I think eventually we'll get there but in the real world today, it's unrealistic, right? And 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 it, you would just grind to a halt because everybody would claim they own a song and start claiming tokens and the real song holders don't even know where they are. So I Not think basically. it's about degrees and, and especially when it comes to rights and especially when it comes to money, you have to go in slowly and say, okay, this part we're gonna decentralize, this part we're gonna decentralize. and. and it, I, I almost use like the word you used earlier, democratize is, is almost better because you're just giving more to the people. Like like we talked earlier, the creator consumer part where you're both right, right? you're gonna have yeah. a stake in something. So instead of saying no one's in control, it's like mm-hmm. no, the owners that are the creators are also in control. So you're a consumer right. and a creator on this platform, which means you have a stake in it and a right. say in it. I think that's it, the it's a weird.
1: Yeah, It's a weird thing because, um, you know, and I like that you brought it back to centralization. I'll get to my other point in a second, but like, look at the other side. Uh, Other side from Board A, Yacht Club, Yuga Labs. We, we, you know, don't know. I've I've signed up for their SDK. I haven't heard back from them. So shout out to Gordon and them. Would love to be included. But we don't know yet how much decentralization is going to happen there, right? We we, we don't know. Um, And so... Again, to your degrees of decentralization or centralization, what what is the benchmark for acceptance? Right? Is it you got left side centralization, right side completely decentralization? Where where does it fall in that spectrum? And then are we okay with that? Right? And so, if you go too far, maybe it's too too decentralized or too centralized. Where where is that happy medium on the continuum? And I think we haven't figured it out yet. Decentraland does a great job, but maybe there are some things that could have been improved upon by maybe being slightly more centralized, right? It's and so never gonna to be
0: perfect, it's, like you said, but if, right. but if if we keep guiding it to the point where that creator slash Correct. consumer, and they are the same person, which is really, a, the I think the biggest point out of this, if that person is happy and there's, is getting value from it, then I think you're in the right track, right? And, and not everybody's yeah. gonna be happy, not everybody's gonna be 100%, even any, in any voting situation or any kind of governance, but it's the, the bulk of our, User stakers, creators, owners have a vested interest and want to keep pushing this forward, right? Is it on the right path for them?
1: Right. Think yeah. Right. I think It's hard. It's it's hard for bigger brands to figure that out because, you know, and I'm not a marketer, so I don't know all of the the terms and metrics. But you can be a consumer, meaning you buy products. You can also be an investor, meaning you invest in that company. But you can't really be a creator for that company per se, and so it's a weird mashup of like, who are you, right? Like you're, you're a creator, you're a consumer and you're an investor by the token or whatever, or the land it's like, what does that make you in the space? And I think it's super powerful. Um, And again, that's why I I continue to stay in the space. And I left an actual tangible real estate career in the real world for something very, I don't want to say intangible, but you know, virtual real estate, let's say.
0: Let's talk about that for a second. Where do you think that's going? I've, I've got, I mean, on this panel, I've got, um, Matthew from the sandbox. I've got, uh, someone coming in from Upland. Um, it's, it's to me, a really interesting space. And I was telling a neighbor of mine, I said, you know, you can go buy your, your plot on Upland. And we Mm -hmm. looked and someone already owned it. I said, well, I guess you can't buy your house on Upland because someone bought it already. So where, you know, where do you see that happening and how does that conflict of rights where I actually bought this physical piece of land with a building on it, but in, in the metaverse, somebody else owns that same space?
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, I, same thing happened to me with Earth 2.0. I went to go buy my piece of land that I own out in the desert and it was half the cost of what I paid for in the real world. It's like, what is this? This is Crazy. Um, and so somebody somebody had owned it and was trying to flip it. Um, I think it's a unique situation, and it kind of gets back to visualizing Web three and how we can augment and complement, not replace uh, reality. And so, if you have a piece of land, how, as you again, the creator, the consumer, and the user, what do you want to do with that? You you have the ability to create whatever you want. You know, there's no fall damage, there's no death, there's no destruction. Uh, you know, you can't like riot and break someone's storefront window in the metaverse unless they program that, you know, so it's a unique situation where on one day I can have a house and on the next day I can have a building and the next day I can have a ski park and the next day I can have a museum. It really opens the mind of creativity for yourself or for a brand of what you want to, you know, I would say integrate, interact with, a creator, a consumer, a user. So it's really the world is sort of your oyster, whether you're in Sandbox or Decentraland or Upland. These virtual spaces give us the ability to push beyond the limits of gravity, city planning, building codes, things like that, where you can have an inverted house and that's kind of cool, or you can go super far out or you can be more realistic and have a replicated building uh, in the space. And so people just understand the creative part is there for us to take, Um, we can come up with some really, really amazing experiences.
0: It's interesting you got a commercial real estate background. I heard some of that coming out when you're talking about property destruction Mm -hmm. and and insurance. Um, I mean, there's gonna be a whole host of cottage industries that pop up around these platforms, right? Someone to help you design, build, insure. I mean, I, I I don't know where this ends. Well, it's funny,
1: yeah. I'm I'm working with an agency right now at Last Slice. And they, you know, um, I won't name the name or the project we're working on. We're still in DA, under NDA, we're gonna launch it in a couple of weeks, but you know, we're going through our insurance policies as a business at Last Slice. And we had workers comp, we had auto insurance, you know, we had all of these insurance policy requirements from the agency. And I'm like, guys, there's no auto. There's no autos in the metaverse. there's no workers' comp in the metaverse. you know no one's gonna slip and fall at your build and file a claim. Um, no one's gonna come in and damage or defame or destruct your building that we're building for you in the metaverse. So you know there's no taxes either. there's no there's so much not there that it allows us to create so much more. and it's very interesting and again, getting to like guiding the platform, should we have taxes on land? should we have is there is there an insurance component and how does that work with blockchain and provenance and things like that right you know coming from real commercial real estate background if anyone owns a home or is trying to buy a home understands title and the chain of title you can go back and unfortunately it's super archaic it's in books on pages in a city hall city uh planning county clerk
0: yeah
1: the clerk yeah you can go and look and see who has owned your piece of land back to the beginning of it being given from the government or wherever, right? Like that's that that's what we're built on as a country, but why can't we just replicate that as a blockchain? That, that is literally a blockchain, right? That yes. That is a blockchain. You can't go back and you can't edit who owned it before you and nope. you can prove who owned it before you and you can get all the information about that. And then now you own it and no one can take that from you. So to a degree, right? With blockchain, it is definitely no one can take that from you unless they hack you. So there are things that feel right with just the the example of real estate but then it's like okay as we're creating these worlds do we allow for these insurance companies to come in and create all of these undue insurance policies and requirements that sort of again create that red tape and bureaucracy which puts the creator consumer sort of user apart from whatever they're interacting with right because that's why we all want to just be a part of the space is to engage with something I've created or you have created um, in an interesting way and we don't care if uh, you have insurance on your space or if you pay tax for your land or not or you've got back taxes or you know it's just it's very interesting um and to see these real world ideas try to come into the metaverse and you're just like wait a second that doesn't make sense you don't need earthquake insurance in the metaverse
0: you know server insurance <laughs> you, you, so
1: that, and again, where, where there's a where there's an op, an op, you know, I, I look at opportunities. You know, maybe there is a really interesting way that farmers or uh, Liberty can come in and create a very curated metaverse insurance policy that that somebody understands what does or does not happen in the metaverse, and and create that opportunity. And you know, what's so great about Web three decentralization? They don't have to ask the foundation to do that. They don't have to ask Facebook to do that or Google. Or Amazon, or anybody to like create these policies. Um, not to say they have to do it in the real world, but it's it's a fun way. It's a super interesting way to think about again ownership being that that amalgamation of creator, user, investor, owner.
0: It's back to your Domino's pizza slice, right? I mean, it, it's it's you just went out and did it and built it and saw some traction from it, and and you know at some point, is Domino's going to come in? probably right if you if you've sold a million dollars a day in pizza slices i'm sure damos would, would find you and say you're either well, going to be your best outlet ever and here's a bunch of money or we're suing the you know we're going to sue you yeah.
1: and go away well so here's the thing which is interesting um there's publicly available code right and you know maybe i'm exposing myself here and this is why i haven't launched it for uh, the masses in case they do try to sue me but the order actually goes and the payment goes to the Domino's store, the franchise, right? So sure. what's interesting is the franchise is receiving the order, but paying the franchise fee. So I'm like a franchise of the franchise. You're like an of. affiliate.
0: You're, an aff- you're, you're a sales. An person. affiliate, right. You can't exactly. hurt them. It's just, I could see them going, wow, we don't want our name, but why wouldn't they, right? If I'm Domino's and I'm thinking ahead, I go, you know what? I'm going to ask this guy to build 10 more of these because I've yeah. seen what he's done with one. and I know it's successful. Let's let's make him our digital franchiser.
1: Right. And, and you know, that's, that would be amazing. And you know, Domino's doesn't own the land, and they don't own the building. And they don't have to because interacting with their order system is publicly available. And again, I'm sort of outing myself on that. But you know, I would love to continue to build out the experience with or without Domino's. Like I said, I reached out to them a year ago before Metaverse exploded with Facebook rebranding and they said, hey kid, send us a letter in the mail we'll get back to you in six weeks. So that was their thought back then, right? So who knows where they're at now in terms of understanding that capability, whether you're the first a Guinness World Record or not, providing that capability of bringing the two worlds together in a space where we hope we can push it to something that, is the internet 3.0
0: i guarantee they'll come around if it's not them it's gonna be papa john's who should have taken they should have capitalized on the bitcoin pizza thing a million times over right but someone is going to be selling pizza in the metaverse it might as well be them and they might as well be smart and and, and make a deal with someone who's already built it for them (laughs)
1: yeah no i just think there's a lot of again misinformation about crypto and there's still a stigma of the crypto bro wearing hoodie in the mom's basement trading, and they don't want to, you know, dip their toe into the metaverse because everything is down. But if you look at your 401k, you're you've got 20% left of your 401k. So, you know, is Domino's not investing in the real world anymore because, you know, again, it's these it's these expectations that we are unrealistically putting on the metaverse when it's like, oh, crypto crashed, the metaverse crashed, it's a fad. Well the whole world is sort of crashing. So you can't really unjustly say, I am not going to entertain this space because it feels dead right now.
0: And we're in back to the, you know, this, this conference that we're doing, we're trying to keep it metaverse focused, even though we're very, you know, aware that NFTs and crypto are underlying that and are necessary to operate a metaverse. But when you say NFT, this or crypto that right now, people are just, it, it, t- it turns their head the wrong way. So, we're trying to keep it focused on the overall picture versus each piece of it. Um, yeah, it's really interesting because I, I think you know you're seeing it with Gucci, you're seeing with Balenciaga. A lot of fashion brands have come in with tens of millions of dollars. They're not afraid. They're like, we want to get with this now. And we've got um, Daria and Natalia and Diana from Diverge and Daria Natalia from DressX coming to the conference. They're the leaders in digital fashion, and I was, I was really happy to see them at Meta. They brought up uh, the dressex women and said, this is how we're going to do clothing and in, in, in Horizon, right? At least in their platform. But they're developing yep. digital wardrobes. You got to wear something in the metaverse. So yes. I think that's a huge, huge opportunity. And they're really taking big advantage of it.
1: Yeah, I, I love it. I think it's a great um, I don't want to say low hanging fruit, but fashion. Everybody likes fashion, right? Everybody likes clothing. I don't care if you say no, I hate everything in the world you're still wearing clothes. So, you know, that, that is a great transition into the digital space. Um, And, and I love what they're doing and hopefully they can have that again, interoperability between digital and physical. Um, And that gets back to the whole pizza thing and creating these types of experiences that um, are unique, a sense of maybe dress X. And this is where, again, I have no formal education. I Got experience learning the documentation bringing people together and now we have clients like samsung and snapple and playboy and other big name brands that we can't talk about yet that want to hire us as experts in the space to create engaging immersive opportunities and so if anything last slice at least what i want it to be is the true example of what can be accomplished in web3 we have a person who's a wildlife photographer okay he is now creating quests, storylines in the metaverse. Um, and he, he, it was just be, by being in our community. Who knows if in a few years, that person goes and becomes a creative director at a gaming studio, or we have wearable creators. Who knows if they go and become a digital fashion icon at DressX or Balenciaga or something. That's what Web3 does. It has the power to highlight somebody's creativity and that's what i am trying to highlight through last slice is there's we we don't have a corporate structure it's like hey we get a project from samsung if anybody that has a skill set here's the opportunity raise your hand and we're all going to cobble together in a private discord channel of last slice and we're going to work on that decentralized anonymous and work together and make it happen and then we go on to the next project and we're all hanging out together so it's it's really fun to see people who uh, another guy owns a bar, uh, Murpheus uh, owns a bar in Connecticut, and he bought some land into central land. He was doing voice acting for us for Samsung and then actually auditioned for Timbaland on one of their music videos or whatever. Right. I mean, the progression and the, the potential that you have by highlighting yourself as a creator of something that you either currently have or will learn in the space is so amazing. And I get so excited about it because Decentraland and metaverses allow people to be not just NFT artists, but creative in, in ways they would have never imagined. And so that's why I just love to urge people to get in the space, get acclimated to what is the potential or what can be accomplished in a metaverse. And you, you, you look at me. I, I, I just went to Dubai to speak and host a, a class. I've never been to Dubai. It's a bucket list. And I spent 48 hours in Dubai, and it took me 32 hours to fly round trip. But <laughs> I would have never had that opportunity, or I shouldn't say never, but this opportunity has not come up yet. But it has because of Web3. So I just, I'm super grateful to be in the space, to work at Decentraland, to help others understand the true potential of what you can accomplish. I mean, it's it's pretty life changing. Not it's from exciting. an NFT like I made a million dollars in an NFT. It's it's from being a creative. And maybe you make $0, but you learn a new skill that could be transferable to yourself or
0: just personal education, personal growth. And it's expressing yourself, right? And and the conversation I had with Dina and and the other podcast episode was, you know, just your clothing tells you what kind of tribe you're in. It could identify you in a way that normally passing somebody on the street, you might not even consider. But it was for for herself and and the girls from DressX, She explained they all met at Mercedes Benz Fashion Week in Ukraine, Kyiv. And it was almost a protest against what was going on in Crimea back then, right? It was it was a political statement to be at that event and to wear certain clothing. And now, you know, you can identify with the tribe just by walking in and with smart contracts, you can use that piece of wearable as a ticket or access point. There's so many, so many potentials. It is a super exciting spot. And I think, you know, we're at the very beginning of it. Um, The opportunities, like you said, for anybody to pop in and ad- start learning quickly and building and creating because everybody's got a talent somewhere and like you said it, it the the friction points are low and i was talking about this with, with the fashion folks as well there's no more you know i gotta buy ten thousand units of this or have it cut or have it shipped or have it inventoried. you can build a one piece digital item and if it's popular you can replicate it almost for free oh, yeah it, it's, yeah
1: essentially and you know people Again, everything is free. Blender, the 3D modeling software, it's all free. So are you going to invest your the time and effort in yourself in a cliche way to go learn how to do that? And it does cost money, but it only costs $150 to submit a digital item. And you could sell 10,000 of those for for $1, right? Or, yeah. you know, so it, it's a, a low, low, low barrier friction to entry, friction in terms of monetary. You still got to learn how to use the software, but it, it definitely is empowering people Um Another guy, Rooston, in my NFC community. Uh, I love highlighting these people because they're so amazing. And we, we we have met some of each other in person and they've seen my face. But a lot of us are just anonymous and we're so cool with each other. And that's what's so fun is we just accept people for their expressions of, of who they are. He's a body painter. He, he paints in the real world. That's what he does. But he was talking to somebody and he was like, yeah. They told me they just made three grand, like um, selling something in the real world, like you know. And it took him a week or so. And Rusan goes, "I just made fifteen hundred dollars in a day, selling a digital wearable." And you know that might not be the uh, average use case for most people, but he has really immersed himself into that technology and expressing his creative side through digital wearables. Uh, and he's making money doing it. It's fabulous, right? And maybe, and and he's one of the guys. If he wasn't making money, he just loves to be creative and do it for fun. So, uh, it's. I think amazing. I have just met him.
0: Actually, is he? It's Peter or Paul? I think it's Peter Ruson, right? I will not
1: confirm either of those names because <laughs> I will leave that to him. Um, but yeah, yeah Ruson is really amazing.
0: He's a well. This guy is a body painter extraordinaire, and. He may be on our artist panel, just just so you know, and, and that's- Yeah, I, I I made that
1: recommendation uh, to Mariana to have him on there uh, because oh, cool. he's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, what's funny is we were talking and he showed me a YouTube video of him, like he wanted to show off his new artwork or something in Last Slice Discord and I went to, I was like, Rustan, you have 140,000 subscribers on YouTube? I was like, dude, you are a mega celebrity. He's like, do you not research the people that join your community? I was like, no, man. I just like hang out with you guys. I don't, I don't know your background, but like, wow. So I always call him the celebrity in our group. He's so humble. He's so amazing. He would be great uh, to have on the panel to get his insight again from just like picking st- stuff up. You know, he didn't know how to create wearables. He bought land to figure out how he could express himself through his body painting and now he's making a lot of money doing wearable creation. So I think his, his uh, point of view would be super helpful to have.
0: I'll, 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 have them on and we'll see him there. Um, all right, this is a great hour, man. I could talk to you for like another three days, but let's just one more time plug that you're going to be on our future world's 2022 conference. It's in person. It's in Los Angeles on November 12th. You can go to www.futureworlds.co. Um, last will be there guys from the sandbox will be there guys from Upland or a woman from Upland, I think, um, as well as hopefully restaurant and other folks that are really on the edge of building stuff that's. Super creative, super forward thinking. Um, I want to thank you again for taking the time to hop on today. And Appreciate I look it. forward to seeing you in a few weeks.
1: Yeah. Thank you for the time. It was a pleasure. I, I love doing this. I love talking about it. You, yeah, you know, I can't wait to meet you in person. I will have uh, some form of a mask on. So I love to use that as an icebreaker for the, the engagement. And uh, I'm super stoked for the panel and the in-world uh, conference. It's going to be
0: great. Good stuff, Ben. I'm going to stop this. I appreciate it again. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Laster. Cheers. Cheers.